This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts. Hello, listeners. This is PSG Talk contributor Mark Damon, live from quarantine with this episode of the 1970, joined as always by our fearless editor, Ed. Um, Ed, before we get started, have you washed your hands? I have washed my hands. I've paid $20 for some hand sanitizer. I am good to go. Luckily, being in flyover country here in the United States, we uh, we don't have too many cases of coronavirus quite yet, but it's a different story in where you are in New York and obviously in Paris, which is, uh, according to this podcast, that's what we're most concerned about. And apparently, the, the fans will not be allowed in the stadium uh, as of this morning. <laughs> Well, yeah, and uh, the the people that will be allowed into this match are the camera crew, the players, the coaches. Um, I guess they have to open and close the building, so there'll be some attendees to do that. Journalists, um, I I expect them. Jonathan Johnson, I'm sure, will be there. Maybe, maybe if he's not already, uh, if he's not already been turned into a zombie. <laughs> yeah. No, so... but not not to make general light, but at this point, you know. What what the hell are you going to do? Um, we have a big second leg that is going to be determinant of a lot of things going forward for PSG. But uh, I guess we should kind of uh, time capsule this a bit and just kind of explain exactly what we have going on. Not that people are going to be listening to this um, 20, 30 years from now, but just at least to give it some context. Um, right now in France, there are about 1,000 coronavirus cases. That's right. And... Due to the uh, measures that are being taken, mainly in Europe, now starting to happen in the United States, there's been a bunch of social distancing measures, not to stop it, but to slow it to a point where you can slow the curve or low, or sort of squish the curve down so that you're not overworking the, uh, the medical systems of all of these countries trying to take in these patients who make up about 15 to 20% of all cases, most cases end up you get a you get a flu or you get a fever you get a cough it's a it's kind of relatively mild symptoms but again for those 15 20 percent mostly um people that are elderly 70 plus um folks with existing underlying conditions heart disease kidney failure asthma so for a certain segment of the population, this is a very scary kind of dangerous situation. Yeah. For there's, most people, though, there's been 19 yeah. deaths in France, so I mean, it's people are dying, and there's I think there's been over 4,000 deaths deaths worldwide. So I mean, this yeah, is a serious and, thing. Well, yeah, and people and <laughs> you can say and yeah, people die of all sorts of things, and people die of the flu, and people die of other kind of viruses and diseases. I think the key here, though, is that it does have sort of a, a higher rate among elderly people and it is quite transmittable so until they can kind of get a control on things you're going to see certain parts of society close down a little bit you're going to see social distancing and this is an example of the parisian authorities saying well we could have this event with fifty thousand people going to all different parts of france and potentially risk more community spread and more issues or we don't Mm-hmm. And 
I think until April 15th, League on matches are going to be played either in empty stadiums or with a thousand fans. So you'd think a thousand would be enough to get like a support group in mm-hmm. to just give the game a little bit of noise or something. But it depends on what teams will do. I think each individual team will make their own decisions on that. But I'm for this decision. I think I, at this point, it's like, who cares about the sporting event? I think it's good to have the sporting events because people are going to be traveling less and staying in their homes more for a little while. And you might as well give them something to watch. And having them watch the best players in the world play in the Champions League is probably something interesting for them to watch. So I agree with having the games. I think canceling games... Italy is a different story in the sense that they're locking down an entire region of Italy. Yeah, yeah, and it it depends where the spread is. And I I don't want this to become the coronavirus podcast, but it's it's part of the it's part of the general story here. And I think that we'll talk about how it affects people or anything. But I think that for the situation we're in. It's better to not have 50,000 people in a stadium for probably around another month or so in that part of the world. So I, I differ a little bit on this. I'm okay with the decision. But then when you look at it and see like people can still use public transportation, thousands of people use that. And maybe you say that's more vital to society than a football match. But we all know money talks, and considering how much money PSG is going to lose and the television rights and everything else, you know, you would think that, well, if the subway is okay, why can't people go to the game? Or at least why not make it known like, hey, you could get coronavirus. It's a thing. Come at your own risk. Kind of like a baseball game. You look at the back of your ticket and says, hey, watch for foul balls. We're not liable if you get hit. Something like that. Let people show up if they want. That's where I'm kind of at with this. Yeah. I, I, I get all that, and I get wanting to have people at these games, but it's just, it's not a necessary part of life to have these games but, but and what to be do you able think, to go see them. What do you think about the competitive disadvantage? Because Dortmund got to play with their fans, and there is an advantage to having your fans. That's why you play all season in the Champions League, the group stage, you finish first and get this second really important match in your home stadium. And now PSG is without that that advantage. And I had written that um, someone had tweeted a great idea. UEFA should get rid of the away goal rule for this game because it's, I think it's going to be easier for Dortmund now to score goals. They're not going to be – the intimidation factor is gone. There was never – but, uh, but the, I don't – I differ from you in that. Mm-hmm. I think that well, – we'll get into the weeds about the game as we go. Yeah. But I think that – this is an extraordinary circumstance that I think goes beyond who has home field advantage in a sporting event. Like, I just, I, I can't look at it in that context of, does PSG have a home field advantage? Who cares if PSG has a home field advantage? Like, in the broader scheme of things, it makes no difference. The, but, like, but, the, but if you go that far, why not just call the game off? Because these people who are going to the game... The cameraman, the journalist, they're going to have to ride the subway, potentially with people who have it. You're, you know, If you're going to save that many people, then save everybody. If you're requiring some people to come to the stadium, the players, you know, maybe someone, their driver has it. Who knows? Why not just protect everyone? If, it's, if the coronavirus well, is ultimate, just cancel the whole thing. 
Well, but that's the but that's the thing. It's not ultimate, mm-hmm. and you have a better chance of catching it in a group of fifty thousand than you do in a group of a hundred. Like there's just it's it's math, it's statistics, and I think that for the short term, hopefully for the short term, that you make these sacrifices, and that eventually in May, in April, maybe late April, early May, when the sun gets a little better, and Mm -hmm. you have a little more heat, and people are going outside more, and it's not, you know, 40 degrees and, and, and cold and windy, that you'll see a plateauing of this, and people can kind of go back to their everyday lives. I, I just tend to think that if this is what the health people, if this is what the people in charge that uh, have people's health at best interest are saying, then I don't see an argument with that. I think the Champions League it kind of it kind of puts it in perspective, and I hope that for even the PSG players, I hope this all sort of just puts this stuff into perspective, because I think it's desperately been missed over the years that. This thing is the end-all, be-all of everything. And we're judging these players' successes and failures by whether they win this, you know, they win this kind of arbitrary tournament that involves a lot of skill, but also involves a bit of luck. And I think that if anything, and I will get into this in the preview, maybe we'll get into it now, Mm -hmm. but... PSG just need to play this match relaxed, comfortable, and focused. And I think if you've looked at the last two major Champions League knockout stage matches at home, actually, let's look at the last three out of four. I'll go back even further. Let's look at the last three out of four. PSG have won one of them. At home. Yeah. Yeah. They won, and if you even want to go further back, I don't even know if you want to go back to when they were playing Barcelona in the quarterfinals and they lost that game, but let's just say the last four years. Let's say since the last year of Zlatan, that's four years of Champions League home games. You have a tie with Manchester City that was very avoidable. That put them behind the eight ball in the the return leg. You had... Um, the win against Barcelona 4-0 that we mm-hmm. en- ended up being completely kind of irrelevant in the end. Um, you had the 2-1 loss to Real Madrid where they could not have come out any flatter and disengaged. And then you had the 3-1 uh, collapse against Manchester United last year. Mm-hmm. So it's not like there's this big home field advantage for PSG playing at the Parc des Princes right now. It might have been that way in 1995. They did beat uh, Real Madrid three nil this season in the group stage. They did, but that was not that was group stage. True, that's yeah. different. Yeah, it's um, you kind of go back and forth on whether or not the home field advantage is going to be something that PSG can take advantage of. Uh, but you have to also look at their opponent. Dortmund is not a great away team. Um, I talked to. Uh, Stefan Butzko of the Yellow Wall Pod, and and his biggest fear is how different of a team Dortmund is on the road, and maybe that has to do with some of the nerves. They have a lot of young younger players. Now they're coming into a completely silent, empty Parc des Princes. 
I think that that can only help them. Now he thinks that that's going to kind of like you, he thinks that not having that pressure is going to benefit PSG. And that's really as fans, the only thing that we can hang our hat on right now is that the players will just feel at ease and not feel that pressure and perform up to the ability that we all think that they can. That's all we've got right now. I think there's going to be a motivating factor of the fans can't be, there's a bit of that. It's not a majority of it, but, there's a bit of that. The fans aren't here. Let's um, let's all do it for the fans that yeah. can't be here, kind of thing. That could be a bit of a motivator. But I think with PSG, it's more psychosomatic than that. I think it's literally a phobia of pressure. Like I, I don't even know how to put it. Like there's a fear of pressure. Yeah. Like when you put pressure on this team, like not you know BS group stage pressure where. You know, in the end, they're going to get out of the group stage, probably no matter what they do. You know, they just have to do some key performances here and there. But when you put actual real life, like, this is big deal, our season's on the line pressure, they never responded well. Like, the only time I can think that they responded any way close to well was against Liverpool last year. Yeah. Where it was like, the season's really on the line here. You have to win this game or you're in trouble. And they ended up winning it. Real Madrid doesn't count. The season wasn't on the line. There was no, the, there was a little pressure, but there really wasn't that much. Was it a few years ago against Chelsea at Stamford Bridge where Thiago Silva had the header? That was another time where the season was on the line and they came through on away goals, I believe it was. Yeah, um, but that was like... Good. That was <laughs> five years ago. Yeah. That was a that was a half decade ago. Yeah, that happened, and this team's been through a lot of bad stuff since then. Like they've just been through the wars, and they've been on the negative. It is. It's like how many times can you lose and lose and lose before it just bears on you to a point where it cripples you, like emotionally. Like, there's emotional damage that takes place when you lose 6-1. Yeah. When you have a 4-0 lead in the second leg. Like, that's the kind of, like, demoralizing stuff that this club still hasn't quite gotten over. They really like, haven't. You see it. you see it in their performances. They're Even against not... mid-tier league on teams that kind of will put PSG under pressure. Even against those teams, they still start to, like, get afraid and... And they, you know, allow pressure and, and you just look at this team and like, you know, it's PSG and you're allowing this, you know, you're allowing Dijon to like overrun you and score. Like, I forget which team it was recently, but it's like this shouldn't be happening in league on play considering the players that PSG have at their disposal. And so but you're these, right. Yeah, with but just these, a little bit of pressure. That's all but it takes. Look, and look at what happened in the, in the latter stages of the last Dortmund match. Mm-hmm. Marco Verratti gets a... Just completely inexplicable yellow card. Like, there's no explanation for why he thought in that moment he needed to argue with the ref. Like, he didn't have to do that. There was no... He wasn't defending himself. He wasn't fouled. He just ran over to a situation that he wasn't a part of and got a yellow card. It's like... And he had already been warned that he probably should have had a yellow card for a challenge earlier. So he already knew that he was on thin ice, and he decided to go and do that. And now he's thrown Tuchel's lineup decision into complete disarray. We don't know if Tiago Silva was back. I saw on uh, RMC Sport they're predicting that Tiago Silva will be back, which I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. 
But like if he wasn't, Marquinhos would have to play center back, and then we're completely screwed in the midfield because Verratti's not there, and Marquinhos would drop back. So like, would Paredes maybe have to start there? So it was it was just completely ridiculous. And along with that, Thomas Munier not knowing that a yellow card would mean he was suspended for the return leg. It's just a lot of head scratching things, and then on top of that, you know, the fans not being allowed to be in the stadium and everything else. It's like it's just it's just bizarre. Very and bizarre. You almost think that this sort of chaos might you you know anything can kind of happen in this sort of environment of chaos. Yeah. I mean, we'll see. So like, I still <laughs> I still am where I was two weeks ago. I don't think this team has it in them. I don't think they have the mental backbone. And yes, I've been negative over the last two, three weeks. Yeah, I yeah, let totally me, understand. Let me I, totally ju- <laughs> I don't know if you go on Reddit that often, uh, but the PSG Reddit, you got a call out um, specifically. Um, it, I think the headline was like PSG Talk, and they were just talking about how, how negative you are and everything else. But anyway, so I, I just wanted to I jump in. I don't have a Reddit. I don't go on Reddit. There's a, <laughs> probably a good reason for that. Go, go check it out. Look, no, I'm not, I'm not checking. <laughs> I don't need it. Look. My job, and I put job in quotes, is not to wave the pom-poms. I am not paid by PSG. I am not paid to say nice things about them. Yeah. I am paid to see it as I see it. And I'm not even paid at all. Yeah. But I'm, I'm, I am asked by you yes. to look at it through my unique lens and give my unique take. And the reason I am being so negative, if you want to call it that, I wouldn't. But let's say, let's stipulate to that I'm being quote unquote negative. All of the evidence points one way. Like this is, you know, when people talk about climate change. Like people, you wouldn't say that a climate scientist is being negative if they say that the earth is warming at a certain uh, rate that if it continues at that rate for a sustained period of time will peril will imperil the entire planet, you wouldn't call that person negative. You wouldn't say, Oh, look at that guy, he's a hater. Yeah. You Realistic, know, maybe. Fine. He's a hater. He's a he's a <laughs> negative person. Like, no. That person is seeing what's going on, backing it up with evidence. And coming to a conclusion. Now, is there wiggle room within that conclusion to say, yeah, PSG do have a chance. I put the chance at like 2%. Yeah. Now, can I be wrong? Yes. And if I'm wrong, will I hear about it? You're damn right I'll hear about it. And I'll say I was wrong. But even if I say I was wrong about that, there's still a quarterfinal theoretically that they'd have to play if we're not all in quarantine by then. There's a, theoretically another team they have to play. Do they do they prove that they can win big matches if they beat Dortmund and then lose to Barcelona in the quarterfinal? I don't know. It, it's a case-by-case basis, I guess, at that point. Yeah, I mean, you're backing it up with facts, and I've said this on previous podcasts, that like this team has really given you no reason to believe that they can pull this off in recent years. They've given you no indication that they can do this. And... I'm not maybe perhaps as negative or as realistic as you. I still hold out hope because I think in the game of football, anything can happen. 
Um, I know. And 2%. I'm also I'm not paid by the club, so I can be a little bit negative and critical. Um, I think it's an uphill battle. I don't think PSG should be favorites in this, just based off what we've seen. But I still hold out hope. I think I do see the silver lining, and I do see where it could happen. I think not having the fans there will help or will hurt them. Um, but I still think they can pull this out. But I mean, we're I'm gonna have a heart attack probably. I mean, if this game goes into extra time or something or penalty kicks, I mean, I'm just gonna absolutely lose it. And I think that's I mean, this team it has a just loves the dramatic. So I think that's probably where we're gonna head. I'm I look. I just at some point want a sign that they've turned the corner, and they give you glimmers, but mm-hmm. they don't give you anything concrete that they've turned. The yeah, corner. that's true. They never have that like, okay, we did this once. Now let's do it again, and yeah. then let's do it a third time, and let's do it a fourth time. Consistency. That's what I'm looking for. Any day, literally any day, PSG can go out there. And put five goals past somebody and win a game 5-1. Any day. I think what's interesting... And they can even do yeah. that in the Champions League. They could go... and I'm, I, I put it at 2%. But if they go out and they put five past Dortmund in this game on Wednesday and they win 5-1. Okay. Yeah. What now the what? quarterfinals. Do it again. You just did it against Dortmund under all this pressure. Kylian Mbappe has got a headache or whatever the hell he has. Sore throat. Throat. By the way, do you think he's been tested for the coronavirus? No. I, I, I think unless you have a fever, you're not getting tested for that. I mean, they said he was sick with a sore throat. He may have a fever. I don't know. I'm not thinking. He, I'm just curious. <laughs> yeah, can we think about We can't really think about that. It's not <laughs> for his own health. I Not even fuck whatever game it is. Like, for his own health, I'm pretty sure he's not at that level. Yes. Yeah. Um, but it's like... Yeah, okay, if you do it against Dortmund, great. Now go do it against Barcelona. Go mm-hmm. do it against Real Madrid twice. Go do it back-to-back games. And then do it three games in a row. And then four games in a row. We're so, I think, we're so prisoners of that great performance. And PSG are the masters of it. Mm-hmm. Like, they have that ability to just turn it on and have these epically great performances where they look like world beaters and they look like, the, like, you know, they look like Mike Tyson in his prime. They have that ability. And in theory, they could do that on Wednesday. They could just go off 1986 Mike Tyson and just <laughs> destroy Dortmund. They could. They could. I don't yeah. think they will, but they could. The question again, though, you have to do it again. And you have to keep doing it, and not just against Champions League teams, but do that against Mar- You know, do that against Marseille every time you play them, and usually they do. But you you want to see those performances. You want to see them, and you want to see them repeated. The good thing and is if they teams- do pull off the win over Dortmund, they won't. Um, there won't be any big celebration because no one will be there, <laughs> so they won't celebrate like they just won the Champions League. Well, that would be that. That would be nice. I mean, it just you, you can't in my mind rely on this team to go out there and put together these performances like you need them to like this is what it takes to win major european competitions you have to put together five to six great performances in a row 
Like that, it's like you know, it's like the NCAA tournament in America. It's yeah, like it's true. you have to win six games, but you got you don't have to beat all sixty four teams, but you have to play six nearly flawless games to do it. Mm-hmm. You got to play at least close to your top ability for six consecutive games, and that's the same kind of situation PSG are in now. They have to play six to seven flawless games, and they've already not played one flaw. They already played the absolute opposite of a flawless game in the first leg. They got lucky. I so think 2-1 one one, was very flattering. They're down to their last strike here. They're down to their last out. Like, they gotta do it. And then they gotta do it again. And we go into this game and we say, okay, what will have to happen for PSG to do this? The first thing that will have to happen is that they cannot give up a goal in the first half. If they give up a goal in the first half, Mm. now you're looking at having to score three in regulation or two to force an extra time. You cannot give up a first half goal. Second thing you have to do is you have to score in the first half. It cannot be a 0-0 score because the longer it goes scoreless the longer PSG have to press mm-hmm. and the more PSG have to press the more Dortmund can counter them and if they start putting up goals in the second half the game's over it's over so there's a lot of things that PSG have to be able to control and being able to go into this game they have to be able i think to score first to put the pressure on Dortmund to have to come out and score I think they have to play the best defense they've played all year. I think they have to essentially double team Holland and just hope that their that their uh, hope that their fullbacks can hold and hope that you can get a little help from your wing players. Hopefully, Gouillet can defend one side. It it has to look like a four three three essentially. In the sense that Di Maria is going to have to drop back and help defend Hazard on the left. and Or Sancho on the left. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to have Hazard off the right and you're going to need Gouillet to help track him down. Julian Brandt, Mar- too, is expected to, to be back for Dortmund. Marquinhos is going to have to play in the middle. He's going to have to take away a lot of stuff out of the middle. And I just I don't think Thiago Silva, if he plays, can play Holland one-on-one. I don't think he can do it. I think they have coming to, off an injury to, too. It's a concerted effort. You have to double. You just you have to play a double team, and you can't allow them to get the ball. One guy has to be on the body. One guy has to go for the ball, and you have to just physically take him out of the match. And if you do that, now you give the opportunity to give space to Mbappe and Neymar, and that's what they have to do. They have to generate their own space. So one of the ways you do that is you play Cavani. I think Cavani is going to start. Cavani's going to be tracking back as well. So Cavani's going to help you play defense in the first 60 minutes of the game too. Mm-hmm. But Mbappe is going to basically have to have that right side to himself. Neymar is going to have to play left to center. And Bernat's going to have to make runs down that left-hand side. Well, let me, he, let me just read you real quick. RMC Sports uh, probable starting 11. So they've got Keeler Navas in goal. They've got Kerr at right back, Thiago Silva, and Kimpembe as the center backs. And then Kurzawa, actually not Bernat, as the left back. Then they've got Marquinhos and Idrissi Gay in the midfield. 
And then Di Maria, Cavani, Mbappe, and Neymar is your attacking four players. They so, don't have Bernat starting this game? They don't, and they, they say that um, Kurzawa has been the one in training working the most at left back. And this is just a, a, a likely scenario, but, I mean, so Tuchel could change it, but they, they've got Kurzawa at left back. One thing he does well is he presses, but it's going to hurt you offensively. Yeah. He presses well. He wins the ball up the field, which is something he did in the first game. He wasn't bad. Thought, yeah, he wasn't. Which actually thought he was. It actually thought it benefited PSG a bit. They just couldn't take advantage of it, and that was because the spacing was so terrible. Because Mbappe's not a nine. Because it's not that he he's not physically capable of being a, a half decent number nine. It's because it's all about spacing, and he doesn't track back. He doesn't track back like a Cardi does. He doesn't make off the ball runs from that position like Cavani does. Like Mbappe's runs have to be off the right. Because it gives him space to move and to cut, right? Because he's very he very much needs to be on the ball on the wing or you know in that situation. I think that their midfield is what it is. Mm-hmm. I think Paredes is going to play in this game. I think eventually what they're going to do is they're going to drop Marquinhos back, and they're going to have Paredes and Gouillet play in the center. If they get Sarabio come Sarabio will come in at some point for Di Maria because I don't think Di Maria will be able to go a full ninety here. Yeah. He's coming off the way he's going to have to defend. I don't think he'll play a full 90. And then probably a Cardi will have to come on in case you need goals late. The other thing to think about is this is the first uh, second leg that Neymar has played in since he's been at PSG. Well, and that's the other thing. I mean, he's going to have to play phenomenal. He has to be out of his mind. He has to play as well as he did against PSG in the 6-1. Yeah, yep. Like he's going to have to be at that level for PSG to have a shot. Because if he can do that, that means you're getting goals off free kicks, which yeah. I do think PSG will draw penalties on them. I think they'll draw free kicks. Yeah. So you're going to need to score off a, a free kick or two. You're going to have to convert a penalty if, it, if the opportunity presents itself. You're going to need somebody to make those passes. And I think, for the, I think one of the things they're going to have to do which they really didn't do in the first match, was, again, Mbappe will be wider, so that'll help. But they need to be able to split that gap between Dortmund's midfield and their defense, which they, which they contracted in a way that didn't allow PSG to do anything really of import on offense. Like, if that's what they're going to have, and Verratti, not having Verratti hurts a lot here. But what they're going to have to do, and Neymar is going to have to pick up this slack, is they're going to have to push that line back, mm-hmm. like, as a whole. Like, they're not going to give you the space. It's not going to accordion out where Dortmund's going to leave the blank space for Mbappe to run into. That You have to push them like a bulldozer back into their own end and pin them. Yeah. Which we've and, seen them do against league opponents, but obviously Dortmund's a little bit higher quality. Yeah, but the way that and, – and one of the reasons I'm generally not confident is because what they're really bad at and what they've been bad at for about uh, forever <laughs> is the first five seconds after they lose the ball is really the entirety of the match. Like, it was the reason they lost the first match, and it's going to be the reason they lose the second match. It's the first five seconds after they lose the ball 
how do they reform to stop Dortmund from cutting through them when they lose the ball in midfield or when they lose the ball on the wing? Because what will tend to happen, and I see this as being the major problem, is that they'll lose the ball, someone will run at the guy with the ball, everyone else will stand there doing nothing, and the ball get passed out. And it'll be like two or three passes, and you'll see the other team already cross the halfway line, and PSG are caught on one side, and they have to adjust. And, and it just They have to be really strong when they lose the ball. And I don't think the answer is pressing the guy with the ball. I think the answer is getting on the guys without the ball. I think if they, like, again, not, I, I always preface it by saying yeah. I'm not a tactics expert and I don't play one on, on podcasting. Yeah. But if I were if I were putting my two cents and I would say the, the second you lose the ball, where is Holland? Where is Sancho? I don't, I'm not looking at the ball. I'm finding those guys, and I'm getting on them, and I'm sticking on them. And then the people near the ball are saying, where are the other people that this person can pass to? So I'm going to get on them, and I'm going to force that person to hold the ball. And I'm going to force that person to dribble into space, as opposed to passing out of the space and creating gaps. I'm trying to take away the second pass. I'm trying to take away the first and second pass out of the lost possession. So I lose the ball. I'm taking. I'm trying to take away that first pass. If I can't take away that first pass, I'm taking away that second pass. I'm not blitzing the guy with the ball like this. You know, it's it's fucking tackle football. That's and, not how it works. And I think what's important is where PSG. They're going to lose the ball, but it's where they lose the ball. In the first match, Idrissa Gay especially would lose it middle of the park. And that would instantly spark a Dortmund attack. So I think they need to be careful about where they lose the ball and just be a little bit smarter. I also think if you do lose the ball, make a a, a foul. You know, not, don't pick up unnecessary yellow cards. But like, if you gotta pull a guy down or you put in a challenge to stop him, do whatever it takes. They're called smart fouls. They're part of the game. We we I think one of the players mentioned it earlier. Like that should be part of PSG's game plan is to just have smart tackles. And I think that's going to be a part of slowing down this Dortmund attack as they look to to counter PSG. Um, I wanted to ask you, how do you think Dortmund is going to come out in this game? Do you think they're, they're going to anticipate PSG pushing for a goal and sit back? Or do you think they're exactly. just going to try to put yeah, it away early? Exactly. If, if there's... I don't see... They could be aggressive. Okay. But I think if you see Dortmund getting aggressive... I think what PSG at that point should do is just say screw it and let's just go let's just go balls out with them. Like if that's what Dortmund are going to do and they're going to be aggressive early and try to put PSG away, I'd say like fine. If we give up a couple goals, fine. We got to score four on the other end. Yeah. You either win one nothing or you win by two. That's how this is going to work. Well, so if, they if they do go, if they do with the four attackers, it's certainly you're not going to sit back with you know Di Maria and Neymar on the pitch at the same time as the winner. No, so. but if Dortmund, you're Technically, you are not far enough. You're not uh, enough down. You're not down four one. You're not down three nothing. You don't necessarily have to. If Dortmund or it, it really does sort of come down to what Dortmund does, because PSG have put themselves in a situation where they have to be somewhat reactionary in the sense that they have to sense where the game is going. You can have your own game plan. But you have to adjust 
to what you're seeing on the field. So if you see that Dortmund are saying, screw it, we're going to go for the kill now, at that point, PSG should just make it a track meet. Right. Because there's no other way to go in that. So you can't be cautious if Dortmund have already have a one nothing lead on you. you gotta go. You got to go track meet at that point. And everything that we saw from that first leg is that Lucien Favre, the Dortmund manager, he knew exactly what Tuchel was going to do. He knew what formation, and he played it spectacularly. I mean, they're Emery Chan, in particular Axel Witzel. I mean, those two guys closed down everything in the midfield. They knew exactly what PSG wanted to do before they even tried to do it. And in the return leg, I don't know if Tuchel can out- outsmart him. I think it's going to just come down to can PSG's players individually just be better than Dortmund's players. And can Mbappe, just like he did recently, take the ball from halfway and just dribble past everyone and score? It's going to come down to individual talents and those special moments. You are absolutely right about that in the sense that the first legs normally are about tactics. In the sense that first leg is about which team can kind of get an edge tactically. Second legs are reckless abandon. Mm. And there will be a point in this game where it just becomes reckless abandon. And unless PSG can take control of the match early and dictate what they want Dortmund to do. And if they do that, if they score two early goals, it changes the complete complexion of this. Because now Dortmund have now Dortmund get caught in between. Because you need to score, but you're down two. So if you if you're going goal for goal, PSG wi- end up winning in the end. Right. If PSG trail, then PSG just have to go out and and do everything possible. And I actually do think one of the benefits of not having the fans in the stands is that I think in games like this, the fans tend to, and you'll see this, you you know where you see it? I'll tell you. If you're like an old-time Chicago Cubs fan or an old-time Red Sox fan or an old-time Minnesota Vikings fan, and you're in the stands for a big game. And this is before any of these teams won the World Series. Like, before the Cubs won the World Series, or before the Red Sox won the World Series. What happens is, you know you have to win this game. It's not going well. You're not taking shots. And then the fans start getting anxious. Mm -hmm. And then they start getting mad. Yes. This is exactly this is exactly what I talked about on the podcast with the yellow wall, um, Stefan Butzko, and I said if Dortmund goes up, the fans will start to turn on PSG. We already saw them hold up banners telling Neymar and Mbappe to grow a pair, and if it if it started to go bad, especially early, the fans would absolutely, I think, start to turn on this team. They they, I said that PSG has no more margin of error. They have no more excuses. The fans are fed yeah. up and they expect results. And it's like, if PSG lose this game, I would imagine that the suggestion of allowing a 1,000 fans into the games is probably not going to happen. No, absolutely not. I think PSG will find a way to say, no, we're, we're just going to do these behind closed doors. Well, well, there was a report. We're going to let everybody calm down. There was a report after the Manchester United loss last season. I believe maybe 500 supporters were allowed into a training session, and they proceeded to like boo and, and jeer some of the players because they were just so angry. So I think that's going to be a lesson learned, and there is absolutely no chance if they lose this game – no, no fans will be allowed in any of the league on matches at the Parc des Princes. They, it's just not going to be a good look because the fans will certainly have their say. No, and it's just it. And this is what I mean. It's like it, PSG can. 
I think in this situation, PSG can afford to go down a goal and not feel the weight yeah. of that pressure crush them. Like, I think they can refocus if something, and this is part of my theory here, I think they'll be able to refocus if something goes wrong. Better if there's no one in the in the, in the audience than if there were people in the audience. That's true. You know what I mean? It's that yeah. it's that same thing. Like I'll use kind of a crude analogy. You know, if you're a kid, there's a difference between wetting your bed and wetting your pants in school in front of everybody. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you yeah. can wet your pants at home and your your mom and dad know and maybe your brother, but like it's not it's contained. Yeah. You can right? rally back from that. If you wet yourself in front of the whole school, There's no coming back from like that. Like PSG have done on numerous occasions, it's tough. Yeah, and and that's where I look at it. It's like PSG don't need to worry about that. That's been taken off the table now. They don't have to play for the audience in the sense of like the Roman. It's not the. It's not going to be the Roman Coliseum. You're not going to have, like, where, Joaquin Phoenix, like, pointing his thumb down, like, take him out. You're not going to have yeah, that. Yeah, it's not going to be that. It's going to be a very different environment. It's going to be eerie. It's yeah. going to be different. But I think what it will do, if they're able to channel it right, is to treat it, and I don't mean to say, like, a training session, because that's not at all what I mean. But there's a bit of a vibe of it being like a scrimmage. It is. Now, do you think that they're going to play, like, the Champions League anthem? Like, are they going to do the whole pomp and circumstance, like, leading up to the game? I think they will for the TV. <laughs> I think they will. And now, what do you think? So, like, we had Lee Davey. I was uh, DMing with him on Twitter. And he was saying that he, he thinks the Ultras will, like, have fans at each corner of the stadium and watching on monitors and cheering and singing and maybe smoke bombs or whatever. Like, this is going to be one of the weirdest Champions League atmospheres like you'll hear ever. It in the, you'll, like, you'll hear fans in the background. Yeah. Yeah, but it won't be like they're on top of you or in your face. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, it, it it's it'll be different, but it's where we are now. Just gotta do it. I think if these if these players are professionals, if they can show up in the moment, prove me wrong, prove people other than me wrong, because I'm not the only one that thinks this. I I def I'm probably the loudest one. You know, sources close right to the now. team have said that the, the players, especially Neymar, does have a picture of you in his dressing room. You know, he just circled it, and he, he wants to do it. He wants to prove you wrong. So if we get it done, hey, you know, credit to you. I, I, I guess whatever it takes. <laughs> it, and I'll hear about it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'll, I'll, be, I'll be happy to hear about it. I'm going to write an article. If they pull this as off, I'm going to do an article of all the tweets to you. Look, as long as they don't, like, you know, as long as they don't, like, curse me out too bad or, like, you like know. Like, dox you and say, me. go to his house. Yeah, it's like, yeah, I, as long as it's, it doesn't have to be respectable, but it has to not be, like. Yeah, it can't cross the line. As long, yeah, I'll take it. I'll, and I'll be happy to. I'll be like, yeah, I was wrong. I was wrong. Good-natured ribbing is allowed, but we, we yeah, stay. I was, yeah, I, I'll admit I was wrong if it happens. I'm probably not going to be wrong, but I'll admit if I was wrong. But on the flip I, side, I if they do lose, no gloating, no saying I had it right or anything like that. you got to be just as disappointed as, as the rest of us. No, I, 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 I had to do it for that first leg because yeah. I think people 
I think people didn't see it coming there. Yeah. And I wanted to be like, yeah, I saw it coming and I tried to warn you and you didn't listen to me. Now it's now we're beyond that point, I think. I think I've proven my point. I think well, you know, I don't have to I will not I will not uh be on Twitter at all <laughs> that day actually. So you won't have Smart to worry man. about it. Well, let me ask you. I have a question for you. If PSG were to lose this match, what does this do to the legacy of Neymar? His his stature in the game has taken a hit since he's come to PSG. We've written about it extensively. But this is the first time that if they were to lose, that he would be on the pitch and they would exit the Champions League. What does this do for his legacy? Does this mean that he's likely to leave in the summer? Um, what are your thoughts he, well, just on that? All circumstance. If he scores three goals and they and they mm, win the game 3-2 okay. but they don't advance, I mean, what else is he going to have to do? I think... The only thing that'll really repair his image is a long, is a big Champions League run or a big World Cup run. Like that's yeah. where we're at at this point. And he'll still be great, but just people don't want to acknowledge his greatness, and that's okay. I get that. I get that people don't like him, so they don't want to give him credit. I, I, I get that psychology, but you know he has a chance here to start really turning that around, and it's really going to be up to him. Like. This is the situation where great players carry a team across the finish line. And if he can do that, it'll start, you know, rehabilitating that image. If not, we're, you know, kind of back in the same, you know, we're sort of in the same place we always are. And what about Mbappe? Because um, he was on the field, you know, it's Manchester. Too it's too okay. early. It's too early. He's still in his early 20s. He's It's still early for him. That's true. And Messi, and you know, the has, great Messi has has, has, has uh, a few devastating losses in the Champions League recently. So it happens to the best of the players, but at PSG, it just it feels like we're cursed. It's, it's what it feels like. Just one thing after another, always with this team. They can never enter the knockout stage on a high note with players healthy, with no drama. And it felt like we were getting to that point ahead of this game, and then all of a sudden, coronavirus, and now no fans are... Gonna be in the stadium, so it just always feels like something. But at some point, you know, a broken clock is right twice a day. You have to think that at some point they're going, they're going to put it together in an important game and get through, and hopefully be able to, like you said, build off of that and maybe get past the quarterfinals, depending on who they're matched up against. I mean, when you look at a lot of favors right now are down. You know, Liverpool could get knocked out. Uh, Chelsea's about to probably go out. Um, Tottenham could go out. I mean, there's there's a lot of teams that you would think that would be favored in this competition who could be out of the tournament, which would leave it wide open for PSG, but they just they just have to get through Dortmund. But, I think it's a really bad matchup for yes, them. You're right, but here's the thing. One team wins the Champions League. Mm -hmm. 14 teams lose. And then there's PSG. <laughs> and They go out with style. They, yes. We want to be in the 15 this year. We don't want to be in the the one. You know what I mean? Right. We want to be in the 15 who lose the Champions League, but we lose it with effort, with heart, with hustle, determination, and then the other team was better. Right. That's what we want, I think. That's what I want. I don't want this sort of, you know, they're going to embarrass themselves kind of situation you know where they they piss all over themselves i also don't want to be the club that 
Halan just goes nuts against, and this is kind of seen as his like coming out party and being you know this great footballer. I don't want it, everyone in the history of football to be like, oh yeah, his coming out party was against PSG when he scored five goals and you know led Dortmund to a rout over Neymar and Mbappe. I, I don't want to be seen like that. Like we're already like with the six one to Barcelona and then Manchester United last year. I mean, we, there's already so many talking points about this team i don't want that to be another one i want us to stand up for once and and win confidently and say it's not your time right now halan maybe next year but we we've got it now you know i don't want to i don't want psg to be that team that everyone looks at um well we can always turn that around but it might be too late to not have people think that at the moment so yeah. all you can really do is watch the game and see what happens that's pretty like much. everyone else is going to be doing outside the stadium yes we're going to watch the game like everyone else and i believe that the game is not going to be broadcast on tnt so if you want this game in the united states at least it looks like you have to pay the 2.99 or maybe it'll be available on one of the like what is it the other spanish language channels well, I can actually check that now. I'm yeah. going to probably just pay for it just so that I definitely have it and I don't have to worry. Yeah. But also, um, kind of a, a, a point here. Um, this game is be, it's only really for the American viewers. So if you're like listening to this in France or in England or wherever you're maybe watching us, don't ignore this part of the message they've already left long ago when we started talking about red Sox and baseball and all that i brought up a base or a basketball thing with uh matt uh, at psg tourist on twitter and he's like i have no idea what you're talking about okay so the game is going to be on at four okay not three four o'clock eastern standard time yes not at three are you sure that's not like daylight savings Adjusted. No, that is exactly what that is. Okay. Because right now, France is, it's going to be, and I'm going to check this just to be double, triple, quadruple sure. Yeah, yeah it's going to be a four, it's going to be a four o'clock game. Okay. So set your DVRs appropriately. So it's going to be a four o'clock game. Yeah. As opposed to three. So if you turn it on at three, expecting there to be a game, it's not going to be on. Wait till four, it'll be on at four. Great. So we'll have to wait all day, and then hopefully you're, I know you're in, you're in Central Time, right? No, I'm on Eastern Time. Okay, so you're at four. Yeah. Central Time three, uh, Pacific Time one. So it'll be it's just on a little bit of a different time uh, schedule. Absolutely. Well, Mark, we're coming up on an hour here, so I just want to get you on record. I know you're pessimistic and realistic, and all the other words we use about this match, but give me a prediction for this game. 2-1 Dortmund. Okay. I think uh, here's what I think happens. I so think Dortmund scores first. I think PSG get the tying goal and they know they have to get another goal. They press too much. Dortmund hits them on the counter and finishes the game. Okay. That'd Fair be enough. my I think Kalan scores them both and I think we're going to live in his world for the next <sighs> 10 years. I can't even but look at the good that news, guy. but the good news, Ed, yeah. is that Real Madrid will want him instead of Mbappe. <laughs> Great. We can just keep <laughs> meeting him instead of uh, at Dorman, who'll be at Real Madrid. So I kind of think the same scoreline, but I think it's going to be to PSG. I think it's going to be 2-1, and um, then we're going to go into extra time, and I think it's going to be decided on penalty kicks. Oh, Lord. That's what I think. I think I don't want that. No, no. <laughs> you know what they should do? They should do like what hockey does. Oh, okay. 
where Just instead of go instead down to like seven team, aside. Every I think every five minutes you take a player off. Actually, I think every two minutes you take a player off. You know how exciting that would be. I know soccer purists are. You know, there's going to be another Reddit feed about how how I'm ruining the game. But and if um, you get down to like three on three, then you just play on one half of the field. You don't have to play the whole pitch. No, you play the whole half. Oh, no, God. that's the that's the fun of it. Because now you, it eventually becomes one on one with goalies. Yeah. So now it's like one on one plus the goalies. So now it's like. Messi, it would be like Messi versus Ronaldo. Ooh, see, and, I would like PSG. Ronaldo chances. would have it'd be like a one-on-one basketball game. And it'd we have like Neymar, who's like the 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 best one-on-one player. So I I would actually like that our chances if that were actually a thing. So it's like you you take off your worst players first. So like the first two minutes you take off Kurzawa, <laughs> the next two minutes you take off uh Mark, you know you take off Care maybe. Um, you probably take off mid. You'd probably take off your midfielders first. Because you're going back and forth, back and forth. So you probably take your midfielders off first. And then it becomes just defense and, and offense, and it just goes back and forth. And then you start taking defenders off, and it becomes attack versus attack, and it just becomes a free-for-all. I think that would work, and you would eventually get a winner, and you wouldn't have to go to stupid penalties to decide it. Penalties are stupid, but I, I just, with everything going on, I think we're headed for a little bit more drama on Wednesday. And that's going to be a weird, a penalty shootout to go to the quarterfinals in an empty stadium. Yeah, and that could be God, there's, this is the weirdest thing. I don't even know what to expect on Wednesday, but I'll be there. You'll be off Twitter, but I'm sure we'll get you back on after the result to get your thoughts. And yep. yeah, we'll just have to tune in and see what happens at this point. So check out all the right. website, psgtalk.com. We'll have all the latest and greatest. Uh, find me on Twitter at PSG Talk. We're on YouTube. I'm talking with Guillaume to see if maybe we can get some uh, footage from outside the stadium, capture some of the atmosphere. Uh, Mark, how can people find you on Twitter if they want to tell you how wrong you are? Um, they can find me at Mark Damon One. Perfect. All right. Well, we'll catch you next time on the 1970. Thanks, everyone. Au revoir for now.